Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. This episode is brought to you by sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott, or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape. Designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are prisoner in the magnificent mountain retreat of the richest man in the world, yet in love with his beautiful daughter. While haunting you, terrifying you, is the certain knowledge that the only sure escape would be death. With Sam Edwards starred as John Unger, we escape to an isolated plateau in the Rocky Mountains and the strange story of a stranger family, as F. Scott Fitzgerald told it in his fascinating tale, The Diamond as Big as the Ritz. I'd been going to St. Midas Prep School for a couple of years, and this was my second summer vacation. I'd met this fellow Percy Washington during the winter and got to be pretty good friends with him. Only I didn't know about his family or where he came from or anything like that. Of course, I I knew he must be rich. All the fellows at St. Midas came from wealthy families. So uh, when he invited me to spend the summer at his home out west someplace, that was okay by me. We'd been uh, traveling on the super cheap overnight when Percy first mentioned it. I don't even remember now what led up to it. We'd been talking about first one thing and then another. Uh, Exactly uh, where is your home, Percy? I mean, uh, you bought the train tickets and all, so I... Well, it's in the Rockies. Sort of, that is. In the Rockies, huh? Pretty wild country, isn't it? Some of it is. Now, you take Hades, Missouri, where I come from. It's been settled for 150 years. One of the first towns on the Mississippi River. Indeed. Oh, sure. That's very interesting. You know, I sure do appreciate you're not making jokes about it, the way some of the fellows do when I say I come from Hades. (laughs) John, do you know that my father is the richest man in the world? Oh? By far the richest. I uh, read about a man that paid taxes on a $5 million income. Small fry. If my father paid a tax on his real income, he'd disrupt the whole economy of the United States. No kidding. Oh, I like rich people. The the richer a fellow is, the better I like him. My father could buy out all the millionaires in the country and not even know he'd done it. Is that a fact? I uh, visited at the Switzer Murphys once. They're plenty rich. Why, their daughter, Vivian's got rubies as big as hen's eggs. I like jewels. Always have. I used to collect them instead of stamps. And diamonds? The Slitzer Murphys had diamonds as big as walnuts. Oh, that's nothing. Huh? Nothing at all. My father has a diamond as big as the Ritz. Oh, 
please. I'm not joking. But, but you mean as big as the Ritz-Carlton Hotel? Exactly. My father has a diamond as big as the Ritz. Well, from there on, it was something like a dream. We, uh, we got off the train about dusk at a little whistle stop where there was no town or anything, not even a station. Just a broken-down old buggy. Well, Percy and I climbed in, and without saying a word, the driver cracked his whip, and off we went. I don't know how far we traveled. We didn't seem to be following any road. And after an hour or so, it got dark. The driver kept right on. I hope you'll pardon this inconvenience, John, but we have to take certain precautions, you know. Oh, that's all right, Percy. Anyway, we're almost there. You're a home, you mean? Oh, no. To the place where we consider it safe to transfer. A transfer? Uh, what do you mean? There's the signal now. Headlights. Pull up the horse, Absom. They've seen us. An automobile. Yeah, but how? There's no road. Oh, it's special build. Doesn't need roads. Welcome home, master. Good evening, Gigson. Come on, John. Let's get in. Gosh, what's the body made out of? Silver? No, platinum. Those are emeralds in the hubcaps. And the upholstery. It's fur. Mink. You are ready, master? Anytime, Gigson. You'll probably notice, John, the exceptional brightness of the headlights. The lenses are cut from diamonds. Boy, what a car. This old junk heap? We use it for a station wagon. Hey, uh, why did we stop, Percy? This is just a deserted canyon. Wait, John, you'll see. They sent the hooks down while we were coming from the train. The uh, hooks? Yes, to attach to the wheels, you know. That's what Gigson's doing now. Oh, incidentally, Gigson will look after you during your visit. Look after me? Your personal valet. Of course, there'll be other slaves available, too, whenever you need them. Do you have uh, a lot of uh, slaves? Three or four hundred, I suppose. Master? Oh, already, Gigson? Yes, master. Look, we're, we're leaving the ground. Yes. There's a hoist up there on the top of the cliff. Has cables about a quarter of a mile long. Yeah, but what for? Well, it's the only way in. Imagine hoisting an automobile a quarter of a mile up the side of a cliff. It's nothing, really. As you may have guessed, John, this is not going to be like anything you ever saw before in your life. <laughs> Well, John, there it is. That's your home? Yes. <laughs> Why, it's magnificent. It's palatial. It's not a bad little place. How big is it? I think there are around 140 rooms, but... Oh, Father may remember exactly. Then, of course, there are other buildings, slaves' quarters and things. Well, uh... Why hasn't anyone ever found out about it? This place, I mean. For one thing, it's the only five square miles in the country that have never been surveyed. Why not? Oh, things were arranged. I don't see how that's possible. Believe me, it hasn't been easy. I understand Grandfather had to bribe three government bureaus and half of Congress once to keep the place off the maps. Oh, yeah, but surely somebody stumbled onto it. Uh, pr prospectors, people like that. Oh, yes, that happens occasionally. Then, of course, we have to arrange things. You mean... Oh, not always. Usually we just take them prisoner and keep them, like the aviators. Planes come here? Once in a while they fly over. Of course, they never get away. We have nine anti-aircraft batteries around the hill here. You shoot them down? Oh, yes. Great sport. Does upset Mother a bit, though, and there's always the chance one might get away. That's Father's greatest worry. This place, this, this whole thing, it, it's fantastic. Oh, come now, John. I picked you for a fellow with his feet on the ground. And you haven't seen anything yet, you know. This is only the beginning.
And it was only the beginning. We crossed the acres of lawn and entered the great chateau. And from that moment on, vision upon vision tumbled together in a gigantic kaleidoscope of color, symmetry, and exquisite harmony. There were corridors lined with gleaming crystals, lit by lamps cut from emerald, and great halls carpeted with chinchilla fur and ermine. Why, even the air I breathed carried a subtle fragrance, like the scent of platine. There was a white-haired man, pink-faced and pleasant, who was Percy's father. More champagne, Mr. Unger. Oh, uh, thanks, Mr. Washington. It's... It's very good. Oh, it's the very best. I have it made specially by Paul Masson himself. Gosh, really? Uh, however, Mr. Unger, I don't want you to think our life here is just a bed of roses. Mm, upon occasion, we do have to arrange things. Oh, yes, indeed, we do. I went to my room thinking there could be no more nor greater wonders. I was wrong. There were many more and greater ones, and one of them I discovered the next morning in the gardens. Hello there. Huh? Yeah. Oh. You're lovely. My name is Pismine. You're John Unger. You're a friend of my brother. Are you from the East? Uh, no. At least, not exactly. I'm I'm from Hades. Oh? Uh, Missouri. Oh. Would you like to sit down here on the grass? Why, yes, sure I would. I'm going east to school this fall. Do you suppose I'll like it? Well, I think so. Of course, it'll be different from all this. That's what my sister Jasmine says. And she's in the east now. I've never been outside. I hope you won't be offended, but you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. Yes, I know. What? I surprised you, didn't I? A year ago, I would have said thank you, but Father says it's very necessary to learn to take things for granted. Uh, sure. I like you, John. I wish you'd spend some of your time with me this summer. Not all with Percy. I will, Kismine. I will. You may be in love with me if you'd like to. I'm absolutely fresh ground, you know. I think I am in love with you. Already. Of course, we'll have to meet secretly. My parents wouldn't permit it if they knew. Then that's what we'll do. I have to go now. I'm supposed to be with Mother at 11. Well, aren't you going to ask me for a kiss? Huh? Jasmine says boys always do nowadays. Oh, some of them do, but not me. We don't expect nice girls to do that sort of thing in Hades. It was a funny thing. Percy's family were polite, friendly, always smiling. And yet, all the time, I had a feeling that some terrible and golden mystery lay hidden just around the corner. A few days after I'd uh, met Kismine, Percy remarked casually that an unusual event had occurred. A man had escaped from the cage. Of course, I didn't know what he meant then, but the next morning, I was walking with Percy's father on the grounds of the estate. Oh, uh... Mr. Washington, uh, mm -hmm. Percy said something about a man escaping from uh, the cage. I didn't quite get it. The cage, huh? Well, perhaps you'd like to see it. Yes, it might prove interesting, just as a novelty. Uh, it's over here. Hmm. Uh, these trees, they're 60 feet tall, and they have roses blooming all over them. It's a rather interesting development by a Swiss botanist. Uh, these are the only ones in the world. Oh, I suppose you'll see them all over the country in a few years. Mm, no, no. These are the only ones. That was arranged. Ah, ah, here we are. The cage. Well, it's a pit dug in the ground and a grating on top. Well, boys, how are you getting along? How, um, how many uh, men are there down there? Oh, about 50, as I recall. Aviators we've shot down, wandering prospectors, men of that sort. But uh, wh why are they kept there? Well, they've all had the common misfortune of having discovered El Dorado. Uh, gentlemen, 
Uh, gentlemen, I am sure that you would like to know that your companion who departed without my permission has been taken care of. He was shot by some of my agents in 14 different places. Um, uh, golf, Mr. Unger? Uh, they uh, found him then, the man who got away. Uh, well, actually, by places, I meant towns. Oh, no, no, my agents were overeager. They shot 14 men, but none of them could offer a positive identification. So I'm afraid the man I seek may still be at large. You see, Mr. Unger, it's not all utopia here. Oh, we do have our difficulties. Uh, isn't it a little unnecessary, holding them like that? Not at all. It's the only way to keep this place hidden. Yeah. Oh, uh, Mr. Washington, uh, hmm? Percy was telling me something on the train. I guess he was just kidding, but he said you had a diamond as big as the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's much bigger than the Ritz. Ooh, much bigger. <laughs> Well, summer went on, and I was more and more in love with Kismine. She, too, was priceless, exquisite, like no other girl in the world. After a couple of weeks, I kissed her, of course, and I was really in love for the first time. Yeah, I, I should have known. I, I should have put two and two together when Percy's father showed me the cage. But I didn't. Until one morning late in the summer, I'd uh, slipped off with Kismine to the Rose Gardens. Kismine, I think we ought to elope. Mm, I don't know. It would be much nicer to be married here. But then it would be much more romantic to elope. All the Sunday supplements would write stories about it. <laughs> oh, Kismine. <laughs> I knew an heiress from Omaha once. But I don't think you'd like her. She visited my sister here. Oh, you've uh, had other guests then, hmm? Well, yes, we've had a few. Oh, wasn't your father ever afraid they might talk outside? Well, to some extent. But let's talk about something more pleasant. What's unpleasant about it? I grew quite fond of some of them. Y you mean they told? And your father... Well, they didn't get a chance to. Father had to be sure. But that's murder. Well, what else could we do? In the cage, they'd be a constant reproach to us. And Father does it so nicely. They're always drugged in their sleep. And we tell their families they died of scarlet fever in Butte. I'm not sure what effect that has on the statistics there. Of all the horrible... No, it's not. After all, it would be terribly boring here without ever having anybody. My father and mother have sacrificed some of their best friends. That's what they plan to do with me, then. See, now you're sort of depressed. I knew you would be. And we could have had such fun. Fun? Couldn't you, couldn't you try to forget it and be nice to me until you're put away? It's only for two or three weeks. You'd go on this way, kissing, talking about love, when you know I'm not much better than a corpse? You're not a corpse. You're not. A... I won't have you saying I kissed a corpse. That wasn't what I said. You did, too. I did not. You said Just that... a moment. Oh, father. Who kissed a corpse? Nobody. We were joking. Now, you two haven't any business here anyway. Gizmine, you go read, go play golf, and don't let me find you here when I come back. Yes, Father. Yeah, well, uh, good day, children. You see, now he knows you've spoiled it all. You don't really love me. Gizmine, you... Oh, what's the use? Uh, look, Kismine, why would it be so terrible if anyone found out about this place? Why, it's on account of the diamond, of course. But you'd better ask Percy. I'm always getting things messed up. I will ask him. And another thing, I'm getting out of here tonight if I have to dig through the mountains. I'm going back east. Take me with you. Oh, no. Why not? Your father wouldn't permit it. If you won't take me, I'll go tell him I'm in love and want to marry you. You can't do that. He'd bump me off this afternoon. Oh, please take me, darling. And we'll be terribly poor and very happy. And I'll cook things for you, uh, herbs and berries and stuff. Won't that be fun? You will, won't you, John? Well, my head was really in a whirl. This whole thing was fantastic. And so was the family. Even Kismine... 
Well, I couldn't think of anything to do, but I, I rushed to see Percy. But, John, why didn't you ask me before? Because I thought you were kidding all the time. <laughs> I know. You wouldn't have believed me if I had told you. I'm ready to believe anything now. Well, it was Grandfather who started the whole thing. Purely an accident. He came out here from Virginia and stumbled onto it. Onto what? The diamond, of course. Grandfather spent two years going around to different cities of the world, selling bits of it. And then he started building this place. First, he started putting his money in jewels, and then he found the radium took up much less space. Father's carried on since, you know. But why the secrecy? Oh, it just wouldn't do if anyone found out. Ruin the economy of the world. The thing's too big. This thing has been going on for three generations. The cage, this, this thing of inviting friends. Oh, yes. You see, there wasn't really any danger before airplanes. They're what worry us. And you knew when you invited me here what would happen. Please, John, I thought you'd be more sensible about it. After all, you can see my position. Yeah. Where is it? Where do you keep this diamond that's caused so cockeyed much trouble? I thought you'd guessed. You've noticed the hill the chateau stands on. Oh, yes, but... It contains a cubic mile. And except for a thin covering of dirt, it's one big, solid diamond. It was nearly midnight. I didn't know what awakened me. But all of a sudden, I was staring across the patches of moonlight spotting the ermine carpet of my bedroom, staring at three slaves I'd never seen before. They just slipped inside the door and stood there, each with a vicious length of shiny copper wire. The official executioners. I lay there on the bed watching them, counting heartbeats, not daring to move, not daring not to move. They didn't know I'd awakened. They began edging across the room. Come on, all three of you. There's no time now for this. Hurry. I took one long, deep breath. The first in several moments. Then I was out of the bed in an instant, throwing on my clothes and dashing through the long pistol corridor to Kismine's room. Kismine, are you awake? John, over here by the window. So they woke you up, too. If you mean three of your father's slaves. No, airplanes. Airplanes. So that's what it is. At least a dozen. I saw them crossing against the moon. Look, they're circling way over there. You think they're here on purpose? Oh, yes. They dropped warnings to father. It's that man who got away from the cage, you know. Good for him. Yes, wasn't he clever? I think we'll open up on them any second now. Open up? Yes, our anti-aircraft. Oh, this is thrilling. Thrilling? Oh, look. They're in range now. Bravo! Bravo! Kismine, get away from that window! Good heavens, did you see that? Yes, and we've got to get out of here. Can't you understand? They'll bomb the chateau next. Oh, there's a little grove across on the side of the mountains. We always keep one of the cars there. We'll have a nice view of everything. A nice view? Kismine, you don't seem to understand. They mean business. They're out to finish off you and your whole family. It all seems so silly. Why, when you come right down to it, they've never even met us. Is it morning yet, John? Seems to be getting lighter. It's quieter, too. It's your guns. They're knocked out, every last one of them. Well, it won't be long now. Seems such a shame. The family put so much work on the place. Everything's always been so pleasant. Yeah. You'd uh, better get some sleep, Kismine. I'm going to walk down the path a little ways. You'll come back. Yes, Kismine. I'll come back. At the edge of the wood, I stopped and looked out across the valley. Toward the wrecked chateau, standing on its diamond hill in the center. The bombing had stopped... The planes droned over the far rim of the plateau, seeking some sort of formation. And then, on a small knoll just below me, three men appeared suddenly from the underbrush. The first one strode imperiously ahead, and the other two bore a heavy burden between them. It was Mr. Washington and two of the slaves. All right. This is far enough. We'll stop here. 
Now, hoist it up. The burden they held up to the heavens was an immense diamond. Now, uh, you, up there. I could see no one else anywhere in view. You, up there. I want you to understand uh, this is only a sample. I'll give you a thousand. Cut as fine, set in pedestals of platinum. And I'll build you a tower a thousand feet high, a cast of solid gold. And on the top of it, I'll put one diamond a hundred feet across. A thought began to dawn on me, but I couldn't believe it. I'll letter your name on the temple in emeralds. And I'll see that the whole world worships at its base. All you have to do is to make everything the way it was before. Mr. Washington was offering a bribe to God. He stopped talking, waiting for an answer. And then, out of those same silent heavens, blossomed the white puffs of parachutes. The man who tried to bribe God looked up and saw them, became old in an instant, and turning with lowered head, walked down the path toward the chateau. With sudden premonition, I whirled and headed for the spot where I left Kismine. Kismine and the car that needed no roads. Haven't we gone far enough, John? I suppose. We're ten miles from the chateau. It's all so hectic. This rushing about and losing sleep and everything. Uh, hand me those field glasses. Here they are. Can you see anything? Mm, no. Oh, uh, wait. Hmm. What is it? It's your father and mother and Percy. They're going into a tunnel down below the chateau. Wait, I remember now. The mountain's wired. Some kind of atom bomb. Atom? You mean atomic bomb? That's it. Father always said it would disintegrate the whole works, diamond and all. Of course, he only regarded it as a last resort. So he'd rather have it like that. They're all inside the tunnel now. The, the paratroopers are moving in. I don't suppose there's really anything to be done about it now. And there wasn't. Keep thinking about things the way they were. It was all so pleasant. I don't suppose it will ever be exactly like that again. Not ever, Kismine. And maybe it never was. You know, youth is a time for dreaming, and dreams die, too. I'll probably have to take in washing. But of course we'll be very happy. What will we do, John? Do? Mm -hmm. Oh, we can love a while underneath the stars. That's a form of divine drunkenness we can all try. And then there may be other diamonds in the world. Who knows? And even though it's a shabby gift, there's always disillusion. Uh, turn up your collar, Kismine, before you catch pneumonia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's go to sleep. Escape, produced and directed by Norman MacDonald, has brought you Sam Edwards in The Diamond as Big as the Ritz by F. Scott Fitzgerald. The radio adaptation was by Les Crutchfield, with editorial supervision by John Dunkel. Featured in the cast were Nina Clowden as Kismine and Hugh Thomas as Percy, with John Daner and Jack Crucian. The special musical score was conducted by Leith Stevens. One week from tonight, at this same broadcast time, CBS will hail the return of the adventures of Ozzie and Harriet. 
the delightful situation comedy show which began its career on CBS four and a half years ago. As they take their plays among the stars on CBS's ten great Sunday night shows, Ozzie and Harriet will celebrate their homecoming by presenting to their CBS audience their own sons, David and Ricky. So remember to be here next Sunday evening, April 3rd, as Ozzie and Harriet return over most of these same CBS network stations at 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. Now, stay tuned for the Jack Benny Show, which follows immediately. This is Roy Rowan speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... Escape! Escape! Transcribed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are trapped in a dark, empty house. A girl lying dead at your feet. And surrounding you, closing in on you, are a band of killers, deadly enemies of your country and yourself. And they are intent on murdering you. Today, with Barry Kroger starred as David, we escape to England and the story of a man whose life depended upon the outcome of his mission, as Graham Greene told it in his fascinating story... Confidential Agent. It was getting dark as the ship threaded its way through the tugs into Dover Harbor. The thick fog gave way reluctantly to the ship. It swirled over the deck. There was a cold bite to it, chilling me inside and out. Yet in a way, this cold English fog was more comforting than the atmosphere I had left. For in my country, there was war. Already Austria had fallen before the goose-stepping armies of a madman, and now my country was fighting with its back to the wall. In order to continue the fight, we needed industrial diamonds to shape the tools of war. That's why I was now landing in England. There were others in my country, a group headed by a man known only as the Baron, who wanted to turn our country over to the invader, who would do anything to stop us from getting the diamonds we needed. So you see, my mission was a secret one. Not even our own embassy knew of it. So far, the trip had been uneventful, except for meeting the girl. Her name was Rose Cullen. At first, she seemed too curious, asking questions about my trip, my visit, my friends. And I wondered if she were working with the Baron. But as time wore on, I decided I'd been mistaken. And I accepted her offer to drive me to London. Twenty minutes after we had docked, we were through the customs and walking towards the car park. Rose suddenly asked me to excuse her for a moment. Almost before I could answer her, she had vanished in the fog. Good evening, David. Baron. I've been expecting you. We have nothing to talk about, Baron. I think we could find a subject. Diamonds, for example. 
Or perhaps I could interest you in accepting, let us say, 2,000 pounds for our point of view, say 2,000 pounds? I still say we have nothing to talk about. <laughs> An honest man. It's a very dangerous hobby, David. Honesty? You may remember an old saying in our country. The honest man and the thief both pay the same price to death. Goodbye, David. He raised his hand in an open-palmed salute and walked away, the fog quickly swelling up to hide him. There was a shot aimed at me. I jumped back against the wall. There was nothing to see but fog. Gray wisps of fog blanketing out everything. There was no way of telling from where death had tried to strike or from where it might strike again. Then I heard her returning. Had she left me to give them their chance? Or had it been her finger, manicured and perfumed, that had curled around the trigger? Sorry to be so long, David. Are you ready? Yes. I... I was talking to your friend, the Baron. The Baron? Oh, you must be mistaken. I don't know Baron. Come along. Did he say he knew me? No. Perhaps I am mistaken. Of course, it might be someone I met at Father's. He loves to surround himself with titles. Oh, who is your father? Ah, oh, here we are. Will you drive? I'm simply exhausted. Oh, all right. My father? Oh, he's Lord Bendage. Didn't you know? Lord Bendage? But I thought your, your name is Colin? Well, of course. My father's name was Edward Cullen. After his first million pounds, he became Edward, Lord Bendage. It's really quite simple. I came here to do business with Lord Bendage. Isn't that coincidence? Everybody I meet has business with him. I see. <laughs> I can't think of anything more dull than father's business. What are you thinking? How, in my country, I would go along a country road like this very slowly, ready to jump into a ditch if I heard a plane. I'm not sure the war has not followed me here. Oh, don't be silly. The only war here is between the Prime Minister who talks about peace in our time and Mr. Churchill, who talks just as long about the glory that was Britain's. And nobody believes in anything. You're very cynical for such a pretty girl. What is there for me to believe in? My father's diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> Hardly something to get passionate about. You have uh, no young man? Plenty. If I want to know who scored 60 runs in the Lansing Brighton cricket match, <laughs> or the odds at Epsom Downs. But there, there's no excitement. If it's excitement you want, perhaps we still will get it. One of my countrymen tried to kill me just before you joined me. Oh, really? It's true. He or his men will certainly try again before I reach your father. Oh, don't be so melodramatic. Things like that don't happen except in thrillers. Unless, of course, you're a spy. <laughs> Are you? No. No. <laughs> no, I'm more of a confidential agent. I be... What's the matter? What's that ahead of us? Oh, it's just a lorry. Why is he blocking the road? Oh, he's stalled, probably. I'm sorry you're mixed up in this oh, road. But it's only someone out of Hold on, we're going on. Oh! in the window shield. Oh, someone is trying to kill you. Yes. Oh, we must go to the police. With what? We saw no one we could identify. Oh, but we struck one of them. I felt the car hit him. Couldn't they be traced by him? All it would prove is that I ran him down. In fact, they might use that to have me arrested. Oh, no. If the Baron fails to kill me, and I think I can see to that, then it would serve him almost as much to have me arrested for murder. It was late at night when we reached London. Rose wanted to drive me to my destination, but I refused. It wasn't entirely distrust, but the fear that she might lead them to me without realizing it. So she dropped me off in the West End. When she'd driven on, I stopped the taxi, gave the driver the address. He brought me to an old two-story house, its dirty gray front bearing witness to the poverty of the neighborhood. Here you are, Governor. This is number 10, Mallon End. That's right, Governor. Just over there. You up across the road and you'll be at the door. How can you be so sure, driver? It's so foggy here, I can't see the number. Ah, I counted them. Counted the Aussies from the corner of High Street. I see. That's number 10, all right. All right. That'll be three and sixpence, sir. Oh, yes, of course. Here, here you are. Oh, oh, thanks very much, Governor. Well, thank you. Good night. Good night. 
I stepped closer and peered through the fog that blanketed the buildings, with only here and there a feeble gleam of light struggling through. I stood there for a moment, looking at it. There was no light visible in any of the windows, and I wondered, fear pressing in with the fog, if something had happened to our agent. I kept my hand near my gun as I pressed the button beside the door. If something had happened to our agent, this might be a trap. The door opened a few inches, and a pinched, elfin face, neither old nor young, looked out at me. What do you want this time of night? I'm sorry, but I'm... David. David? D, as in diamonds. Oh, come in. Just a minute, I'll turn on the lights. You... You're much younger than I thought you'd be. We are using them younger these days. Uh, I was just making a spot of tea. Perhaps you'd like some. Oh, yes, I would. Very much. Thank you. Uh, You see, I've been very careful with lights since I saw someone watching the house two days ago. One of the baron's men, you think? I don't know. I just thought it better not to take chances. The baron came over on the same boat with me. Oh? Did he see you? Oh, yes. Thank you. It's all right. We even had a short talk at the customs. You... What did he say? He offered me money for a vacation. How much? Two thousand pounds. You refused? Of course. Two thousand pounds. Oh, this day's good. After being out in the fog, it's warm. It's more money than I've ever seen in my life. How do I know you refused? I suppose that's a question I would ask, too. Were I in your place? (laughs) You know, I wonder if that isn't the Baron's biggest crime against us. That he's made us eternally suspicious of each other. Yes, I... What is your name? Elsie. Elsie. (laughs) Well, Elsie, you don't know that I didn't take the 2,000 pounds. But I am going to see Lord Bendich tomorrow, and maybe that will prove it. And then you'll be going back? Uh, Monday, yes. Oh, I see. Now, what do you have for me? Not very much. You see, I know that the Baron has friends everywhere, even in the English government. But Lord Bendich will deal with you first if you are there on time and can prove you represent your government. If I did not show up, then he'd be free to deal with the Baron. Yes, that's it, exactly. Now, look, if you're seeing Bendich and his syndicate tomorrow... Yes. ...then I must warn you again that... The shot came through the window. I leaped to the wall, turned off the light. I knelt, found her wrist. There was no pulse. Elsie was dead. Kneeling there, I cursed myself. The minute she told me that someone had been watching the house, I should have known that both of us had to get out. I should have known there was no time for tea and talk. Suddenly... I heard a sound. The door. The killer or killers were in the house. To stay there in that dark, small room, try to shoot it out with them, could have only one ending. They were blocking off the front door. I couldn't leave through a window. I'd be a perfect target that way. I began to edge toward the other door in the back. It was slow work. Then I was in what seemed to be a kitchen. A gloomy patch of light guided me to the door. I pressed my face to the glass, strained to see outside. A man was standing, only a few feet from the back door. There was only one other way to go, up. I slipped out of the kitchen into the hall. After what seemed hours, I found the stairway and carefully stepped on the first step. It creaked, and I leaped higher and up to one side, just in time. Another step. Fire again. There was only one thing to do. I raced up the stairs. I flung myself to the floor. Downstairs, I heard the front door open again. More of them had entered the house. They were taking no chances. I lay there on the floor at the head of the stairs, scarcely daring to breathe. I knew I could get anyone coming up that stairs with my gun, but was there another stairway to the second floor? I knew so many of these houses had them. Perhaps this one did too. And that... Somewhere outside, I heard something thump against the side of the house. One of them was trying to get in. 
One of them was coming in through some window on the second floor. From every side, death was closing in on me. In just a moment, we will return to escape. But first, that happy but hectic couple, Ozzie and Harriet, come home to CBS tomorrow at 6.30 Eastern Standard Time. So get your whole family together to welcome them home next Sunday night when they'll be heard on most of these same CBS stations just before the Jack Benny Show. And now with our star, Barry Kroger, as David, we return to the second act of Escape and Confidential Agent. I was on the second floor of the old house on Mallon End, and the Baron's men were downstairs, slowly working their way up to me, searching me out. It was a quick decision. The open rooftop presented a chance of escape, and lying here in the dark was tempting discovery. A moment later, I was through a skylight and in the night air. Five house away, I found fire escape and it reached the ground. And two blocks farther, on Blean Street, I found a cheap hotel and registered under another name. The next morning, I took a taxi to the house of Lord Bendich. The butler, with the empty face of the typical British servant, took my coat and then showed me into the room where Lord Bendich and four other men waited. These men were the Diamond Syndicate. You're the man we're expecting? Yes. I think you know the object of my visit. We had a letter a fortnight ago. Strange the purchase wasn't handled through your embassy or consulate. Mm. Uh, this is Mr. Forbes. How do you do? How do you do, Mr. Lord Fetting. Oh, my lord. Mr. Brigstock. How do you, How do, you do, do, sir? Mr. O'Grady. You'll forgive us if we get to business right away? I should like that. Now, I'm, I'm prepared to pay the highest market price for which I have here a side draft and a bonus of 25% after the diamonds reach my country. Mm. You will take the diamonds yourself? Oh, yes. Then the bonus should be paid now. Bendich is right, old boy. You might never go back, and then where should we be? Perhaps, Lord Bendich, we could accept the offer as it is if we are given notes covering the bonus. Oh, yes, I'm quite prepared to do that. Very well. <clears throat> you understand, we could do better than this, but we like to do business with established governments. Uh, we must, however, be certain that you have the right to speak for your government. Uh, you have your credentials, of course. Certainly, I have them. Uh, Something wrong? That's, that's extraordinary. I, I had them in my breast pocket with my passport here. Perhaps you left I, them at your hotel. No. Morning after a tacky evening, Lord. I had them right here when I entered this house. If you're implying... I did have my papers. They have been stolen. I dare say. Well... It's obvious we can't do business with an unaccredited agent. Lord, then it's it be stolen. rough go, old boy. But it looks like uh, you've had it. We are sorry, but Lord Bendich is right. We can't I walked slowly out of the room. I must admit they were fair. The butler must have taken the papers when he helped me off with my coat. But I had no proof. I went out into the hall, took my coat from the rack. I was about to leave when I heard my name. David! It was Rose Cullen. David, did you get the diamonds from Father? No, my papers have been stolen, stolen. And your father won't deal with me since I could not prove I represent my government. Rose, do you know, is your father's butler new? Well, I, I think so, although I didn't really notice. I don't live here. I have my own apartment. You mean you think he... I'm sure of it. I had my papers when I came up the steps. They were gone when I went to show them to your father. Then that means... Come along, David. We'll find out. No, Rose. That would do no good. I'm sure that the Baron will have covered all loopholes. The papers are far away by now. No. I must think of some other way to convince your father. Well, isn't there someone at your embassy? Hmm. I don't think so. We don't trust them. Except perhaps the second secretary. He... But even he may have been reached. But we've got to do something. We can't we? just... Uh... Why do you suddenly want to help me? Only last night you were laughing at me, Rose. Maybe I was. Last night. Well, then, why... Oh, David, can't you guess why I want to help you? To be with you? Rose, look. Oh, all you think of is your stupid war. 
Last night I laughed at you because you were a, a stuffy little man from another country, filled with ideas of his own importance and briefs and papers. Now, after I've had a chance to think things over, I know this isn't true. Rose, a man in my position has to give up many things. He has no time to... Fall in love. <clears throat> Why not, David? Why not? Rose. Oh, all right. I won't embarrass you. Now tell me something. Forbes and Brigstock were with father when you met? Yes, yes, they were. All right, then. Brigstock is an ass, but they'll both help your country if they're sure it's all right. I'll get them, and the four of us will go to your embassy. We'll make them prove who you are. She was right. They both did seem anxious to help and were quite willing to go to the embassy with us. At the embassy, we waited for the second secretary. Then a man appeared, a country man of mine, although I had never seen him before. May I help you, gentlemen? Yes. Mm. Uh, my name is Forbes. Uh, this is Mr. Brigstock. How do you do? Mm. We are associated with Lord Bendich. This is his daughter. We are considering doing business with this other gentleman who claims to represent your government. I know of no official representative being sent to you. What is your name, sir? Here is my passport. This is very strange. Mr. Forbes, the man whose name is on this passport is no longer alive. Are you sure? He was shot by the rebels. Oh, you're lying. You didn't even look at the passport. You had your story ready before we even got here. As a matter of fact, yes. We were warned that someone was posing as this man. We've had the Scotland Yard man here hoping he'd show up. Inspector! Scotland Yard, eh? They'll get to the bottom of this. I have no doubt. Ah, is this the man? Yes. And here is his passport, Inspector. I see. Well, sir, we're going to have to hold you. On what charges, Inspector? Well, there are several, miss. Using a forged passport, illegal entry into the country, trying to obtain a contract under false pretenses, inquiry into a hit-and-run death on the Dover Road last night, and inquiry into the death of a young woman on Mallon End. What if I refuse to accompany you, Inspector? Well, in that case, sir, I'm afraid I'll have to force you. If you need it, Inspector, I have a gun here. He doesn't need it, but I... Now, stand back! Don't try to follow me through the door! Wait, David, I'm coming with you! The two of us backed out of the room and ran downstairs. I knew it would be only a matter of minutes before there'd be an alarm out and Scotland Yard would be looking for me as well as the Baron's men. I was sure that I could beat the murder charges. But by that time, it would be too late to get the industrial diamonds to my country, even if I could buy them. Rose took me to her apartment. Then, without telling me what she was going to do, she left. An hour later, she was back. David! It worked! What worked? I went to find Forbes and Brigstock. I convinced them that you don't dare stay and face the charges, and they're going to sell you the diamonds you need in spite of father. Isn't it wonderful? You are. I don't know how I can ever repay you. By taking me back with you. Rose, darling, I told you before. I'm not asking you to marry me. I'm only asking to go back with you, to take part in something that's decent and honest. After that, well, we'll take what comes. You don't know what you're asking, Rose. It is not so simple as just going back. What do you mean? After the day, Scotland Yard will be watching every ship leaving England. I can't book passage. I'll have to find some way to slip out of the country. Oh, Forbes can arrange that too, after you get the diamonds. Forbes and Brigstock brought the diamonds, a small package that meant life for at least a while longer to my country. They both seemed only embarrassed when I tried to thank them, and when they left, Rose went with them. They had not been gone long, when there was a knock on the door. I, I hesitated to answer to it. It's Brigstock, old boy. I say, let me in. Well, Mr. Brigstock, is something wrong? Well, not a thing, old boy. You know, it occurred to me that you're in a bit of a spot about getting out of the country. Now that you have the diamonds, an idea happily struck me, so I just nipped back. You know how I can get away? Quite. The perfect solution, old boy, is this. A gun? Astute but... of you to recognize it. No, don't move. I assure you I'm an expert shot. Bullseye and all that sort of thing. You're one of them. In a manner of speaking, yes. You see, I'm one of the fortunate few who recognize that democracies are decadent. Too weak, you know. Nothing for me to do but work with other Johnnies who agree. 
An Aryan world for all you Aryan supermen. Is that it? You know, Rose has exquisite taste in rugs. It's a pity you'll have to bleed all over it. You're quite insane, Brigstock. Not at all. You see, people like you never have the brains to understand the glorious world that we are going to build. A world dedicated to joy through strength. Forbes. Uh, I say, most unfair. Although... They can never resist making speeches. I thought there was something suspicious about Brigstock leaving us so suddenly, so I followed him. Ah, but there's no time to talk. You have to get out of here quickly. Where shall I go? I own a resort hotel near South Crawl. South Crawl. I'll make a reservation for you, and tonight one of my men will pick you up there, put you on a freighter bound for your country. And Brigstock? Brigstock is our problem. I'll give them a full report of it when I turn myself in. As I must do. Perhaps... Perhaps my trial will help my country as much as your escape will help yours. I reached the hotel just as it was getting dark. The lobby was filled with men and women in shorts and jackets, all of them talking of sports. Surely no place was safer. I went over to buy a newspaper. I say... Don't I know you? Your face is familiar. I don't believe so. Uh, foreigner, aren't you? Why, have it. Saw a photograph of you in the stock press edition of the Express. I'm afraid you've made a mistake. Can't get away from Scotland Yard. Best police force in the world. No, I remember. It was murder. Don't try to get away now. I shall take measures, you know. I thought of making a run for it, but there was no use. The lobby was filled with people. I couldn't hold up all of them. My captor sent someone to call the police. We sat down and waited. You foreigners aren't civilized, you know. Fellow told me when he was in Prague, he saw a chap shoot down the bobby right on the street. Can't do that sort of thing, you know. Anyone in here by the name of... Here we are. Are you the detective? Uh, detective? Why, yes. Then here's your man. Oh, I see. Uh, I have a warrant for your arrest, uh, charging you... I know the charge, officer. Don't bother with it. Well, then, uh, uh, come along, no handcuffs? No, I don't think that would be necessary. I have a car right out here. Well, that was a close one. Close one? Yes. It's a good thing you played along, or I wouldn't have been sure what the charges were. You mean you're not a detective? Heavens, no. <laughs> Mr. Forbes didn't tell me the yard was in this. Oh, they weren't before. It was in the last edition of the paper. One man recognized me and called the police. Yeah, it's lucky I came when I did then. Very. Well, we'll be at the coast before they get a search underway. We reached the coast in half an hour, and I was hoisted over the side of a small freighter, like a piece of cargo. I stayed below until we were well underway, and then went above. The deck was uncovered, and the wind whipped the sharp spray across my face. I could feel the pressure of the package of diamonds in my pocket. My mission was over, and I was on my way home. Yet I felt neither relief nor happiness. I'd thought there was no room in my life for both war and love. But now that there was only war ahead, I felt empty. I stared over the lights, glimmering somewhere far astern. That... that would be Plymouth Hope. Rose. Oh, David. Rose, now. Rose, this is not the time for tears. When, when I was a little girl, someone told me that most men don't know what they want, so they make gestures. Oh, like. And Forbes said the same thing this afternoon. And so I, I decided not to waste time. And I made the decision for both of us. Between Mr. Forbes and yourself, my darling, it seems everything has been taken care of. Escape is produced and directed by Norman MacDonald. Today we have presented Transcribed, Confidential Agent by Graham Greene, adapted for radio by Ken Crossan, with editorial supervision by John Dunkel. Starred as David was Barry Kroger. Featured in the cast were Edgar Barrier, Constance Cavendish, Herb Butterfield, Parley Bear, Olive Deering, Ben Wright, Wilms Herbert, and Alec Harford. Special music was arranged and played by Ivan Detmars.
next week. You are standing alone in a lonely canyon in the shadows of Superstition Mountain. While facing you, tempers ragged, guns drawn, are three men who at your first move toward hidden treasure will shoot you dead. Next week, we escape with Ralph Bates' unusual story, When the Man Comes, Follow Him. Be sure to tune in at the same time next week when once again we offer you Escape. Tomorrow night on CBS is really something to talk about and listen to. Academy Award winner Jane Wyman on the CBS Family Hour of Stars. Ozzie and Harriet, Jack Benny, Amos and Andy, Sam Spade, and Lum and Abner. These are only a few of the great stars and shows which will come to you tomorrow night on most of these same CBS network stations. Jack Benny, of course, will be heard on the entire CBS network. This is Roy Rowan speaking. Now, stay tuned for five minutes of the latest news to be followed by the Let's Pretend program over most of these same CBS network stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.